Hello and welcome to Useful Idiots Monday Morning. I'm one of your co-hosts, Katie Helper. And I am Aaron Maté. How's it going, Katie? Yes. Good, you? I'm great. I don't know if your mic, is your microphone yeah. on? Yeah, it is. Hold on. Let me make sure it's the right setting. Oh, you know what? It's disconnected and it wasn't. So how is this now? Yeah, that's good. That's All right, great. great. Um, so welcome. And uh, this is, of course, the show that we do on Monday mornings where we review the Sunday morning news shows that we watch so that you don't have to. And boy, should you be thankful that you don't have to watch these shows. No man, idea. oh man. Give us a like, please. Uh, also, join us right after the show. We will be at Colin. The link to the Colin is in the uh, description, the YouTube description. Make sure you support us on Substack at use at Substack. No, at usefulidiots.substack.com. Also, if you are on Locals, you can go to usefulidiots.locals.com and hi to everyone watching us on both YouTube and Rumble. And also subscribe to us on both of those or either one. Yeah. And like the stream. Seriously, guys, please. Please appreciate it. Yeah. Um, all righty. Well, so much to get to this week, uh, including a new presidential candidate in the mix, uh, which we're going to start with. Right. Yeah. And everyone should make sure that you watch our Thursday throwdown from last week, which you can find on uh, Substack because we do a, a very well, I, I was saying funny. It's it's tragic, but we we, we uh, analyze the way NBC uh, discussed this candidate's run. And it was pathetic and basically like straight up stenography from the DNC. And that candidate is let's watch. Go to the videotape. Why do you want to be president? I want to be president because this country needs to make an economic U-turn. And the system that effectuates and perpetuates that kind of income and opportunity inequality is not changing itself. It tweaks itself every once in a while. There is some incremental change. But the devastation, the ubiquitous economic despair and human devastation that is produced by this sociopathic economic system is not changing. And it's not going to change if we continue to elect the same old same. You uh, have been called, I think it was the Associated Press, that you are the longest of long shots. Why do you think you can do this? I would bet that the Associated Press also said that Hillary Clinton was a shoe-in. I'm sure that they I would I don't know if they said, would have used that language. Maybe actually, not, no, but no. that system, you know exactly what... Notice that he's pretty dismissive and contemptuous of her throughout the interview and pretty smug. But uh, she makes a good point here, which is that, of course, the same media that's calling her a long uh, a long shot, longest of long shots, is also the same media that was sure that uh, Hillary Clinton would win in 2016. The same media that, you know, it was actually this is um, this is this week and this week is hosted by George Stephanopoulos and he and Maggie Haberman famously for some people, uh, laughed in Keith Ellison's face when he said that Trump could win the primary. So she's on to something when she talks about this as much as he as John Carl tries to laugh in her face. What I'm saying. So the system that is now saying that I'm unserious, I'm not credible or I'm a long shot is the very system that protects and maintains this idea that only those whose careers have been entrenched within the system that drove us into a ditch should possibly be considered qualified to lead us out of that ditch. My qualification is not that I know how to perpetuate that system. My qualification is that I know how to disrupt it. And that is what we need. Disrupt we need it how? 
Oh, well, the first thing you can do is you can. He sounded upset there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> disrupted how? How? Yeah. Please don't disrupt it. Please don't no disrupting. Disrupt it. No, yeah. no disrupting the system. <laughs> cancel all college loan debt. You can make now, sure. Now, Biden just tried that and then the court stopped him. He, he tried, yes. And some people think if he had just canceled the entire thing that and he had done it immediately, that would not have given his opponents the opportunity to wage the kind of battle against that that it has. But there are rules of how you how you can accomplish things. And you do have to work through Congress. I mean, we don't have a dictator. There are many things. We don't have a dictator in this country. You got to follow the rules. You got to follow the rules. Follow the As rules. every journalist's task is to is is to remind people they have to follow the rules. Right, right. Not to disrupt. Not to challenge the system. You have to follow the rules. Yeah, and Marianne doesn't know that Marianne Williamson, I think, doesn't know that we don't have a dictatorship in this country. <laughs> so if John Carl had to lay down the law and tell her, give her that quick poli sci lesson. <laughs> crash course that the president can do without working through congress i don't see myself as running against joe biden i see this campaign as challenging a system but this administration has given more but you do oil. have to beat biden too I mean, well yes i do, do yes to... i do okay i i think jonathan carl should be a high school history teacher because he comes up with these gems that people don't know about like <laughs> you do have to beat the person you're running against yeah, Mary, I, of course, didn't know that. Uh, he's yeah, giving her a, a really it's uh, great education in how yeah. politics works. Thanks. Yeah, thank is, you, John Carl. Thank that. you, John Carl. Yeah. You, you have to beat for your, your opponent. You're running. Yeah. Against. Yeah. Thank you, John. Yeah. You do have to beat him, you know, and it's not a dictatorship. Okay. And I plan on pointing out, not with any kind of negativity on a personal level. I have, I have no interest in taking pot shots on any personal level to this president. He's a nice man. Well, well, well let me ask you, because you endorsed Bernie Sanders when you got out of the race. I sure did. Uh, you, you called uh, <clears throat> Elizabeth Warren. I think you said she was a legend. I mean, you, you, she is. I love those people. Both of them have said that Biden deserves re-election. Well, that's their opinion. And this is the thing. Are they if, wrong? So they're wrong? Uh, no, it's not about. No, no. no. He's like, wait a second, you like these people, and yet they said something you don't agree with. Are they wrong? What a gotcha. No, no, this is a democracy. This is not about what I think is wrong. Obviously, I believe the American people should be offered an agenda for genuine, fundamental economic reform, and it should be the voters who decide. It should not be the DNC that decides. It should be the voters who decide. That is what a democracy is. Do you expect that Biden will debate you? I, he certainly should. Did you see his face when he said that? It was like he was suppressing vomit. Yeah. <laughs> like he can't imagine. He doesn't want to imagine that scenario. Let's see. Hold on. That is you, what a democracy is. Do you expect that Biden will debate you? I, he certainly should debate me. It's called democracy. And I'm wrong. Do you expect our president to be challenged? Do you expect him to have to actually speak to someone who doesn't agree with him? Yeah. As opposed to people like me who just feed him uh, layups? Oh, yeah. The nerve. Oh. The nerve. Do you expect to actually get acknowledged <laughs> by him? Our dear leader. Our dear leader. <laughs> Running as well. And, and what about this notion of taking New Hampshire out of its uh, out of its position as first? You're going to New Hampshire. I can tell you that New Hampshireites are not happy about that. The fact that so they, will you be competing in the New Hampshire primary? Absolutely, even though the DNC I will. Has said, this is a democracy. This is the yeah. thing. The DNC should not be rigging this system. They don't even pretend anymore. They're not even covert. 
about their uh, their swaying the the primary season. They're very overt about it. They're going to get. So that's what's going on is they're rigging the system for Biden. They even admit yeah. that, Jonathan. Yeah. Do you think Biden is too old to run for election? No, I, I'm I'm not going there. I don't think ageism has any place in our um, in, in 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 our thinking. Will you endorse him if he wins the nomination? I will certainly endorse the candidate who I feel can beat the Republicans, absolutely. So, but, uh, but if he's the Democratic nominee, will you endorse him? I, I, will, I will do whatever I feel I can do as an American. To This is all uh, journalists like this care about. Right. Uh, with Bernie, that was the only question they really cared about with him. Like, okay, yeah. so like, yeah, like uh, free health care, uh, education for all. Okay, like, that, that's cool. But okay. After you lose, right. will you endorse the anointed candidate? Will yeah. you endorse the anointed candidate? That's all they really want to know. That's probably really why they're doing the interview. Yeah, exactly. They want this on record, whether where she's going to, her, her position, yeah. Make sure that the neo-fascist threat that is represented by some aspects of the Republican Party does not win in 2024. In a blog post talking about possibly running for president yes. recently, you yeah. said change is inevitable in this country we are either going to have a peaceful revolution or a violent one what do you mean by that what do you mean what what do you talk what do you mean do you know what violence means yeah. do you want me to should i whip out my dictionary and tell you what violent is because i can't imagine you meant that he can't fathom that the economic system that he currently really benefits from right. doesn't work for most people he just can't right. fathom that Right. So the idea of a revolution, a peaceful yeah. revolution, uh, is among the options that she lays out. He can't fathom that. Right. Peaceful well, change? Pe yeah. What? What, what do you want to change? Excuse me, did you not cover January 6th? Yes, so what I is did. happening in this country is that people who, who are experiencing vast amounts of economic fear, anxiety, when you have this much economic anxiety and millions and millions of people experiencing that kind of desperation. Do you think January 6th was about economic anxiety? No, I did not say that. Well, but I do think that the election of President Trump the first time in many ways was, just as I feel that the support of Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump both said to the American people, I understand your rage. I understand your upset with an obviously economically rigged system. And that is what the Democrats need to offer in 2024. A president who isn't just saying, oh, it's going well to millions of people for whom nothing like that is true, but rather we understand that you are living at the effect of an unjust economic system and we are going to change that. So, okay, that's their interview with Marianne Williamson. You'd think that someone entering the primary would make news and be covered by all Sunday morning news shows. And yet this one stands out alone. So, in fact, we're going to go to uh, Chuck. Let's go to our next clip. Uh, and we're going to see that although uh, it's something that would have been relevant to uh, the introduction that we're about to see, somehow Chuck Todd missed this news. Sunday morning, this may be the week where we saw the 2024 presidential campaign kick into full gear. And not just on the Republican side. President Biden's decision to block a D.C. crime law caught many Democrats off guard because it's going to be the first time in 30 years that Congress has nullified a law in D.C. Do you see how that would have been the perfect place to announce that someone else had entered the primary when he says the election is officially started and not just on the Republican side? Yeah, full but gear. But on the Democrat side? 
That's when you say because Marion Williamson has entered the race. But no, it's that Biden uh, intervened to block some crime bill out of D.C. It's a Democratic president and a Democratic Senate. But if you view it through the lens of political calculation, it may make perfect sense. President Biden decided that neither he nor his party, with a big Senate map to defend, with a lot of red areas to defend, could afford to look soft on crime heading into 2024. Republicans tried to make crime a central issue in the 2022 midterms, and they certainly had some success in New York State and a few other areas. But the results this week in the Chicago mayor's race, where voters fired the incumbent, are a reminder that crime and policing are still important to urban voters as well, a huge part of the Democratic coalition. Democrats have been twisted in knots on the crime issue because it's a problem with swing voters, and Biden is trying to provide them with a way forward. The mirror image of sort of being twisted in knots for Republicans is the abortion issue, um, but no one in the GOP at least. Can I just say, you know, doesn't the term swing voter sound kind of fun? Like, hey, we're swinging. We're voter, yeah. we're swinging. You know, yeah. they're, they're dancing, they're, go- they're having a good time, you know? Yeah. As opposed to like the, you know, the party voters who are just predictable, boring right, swing voters. Like, yeah. You always yeah. know where they're at. You yeah. always know where you can find them. Yeah. The swingers, you never know where they'll show up. Yeah. What party they're going to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's what party they're going to go to. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it really works. Yeah. To date is taking the lead to try and come up with a modified solution to that political problem for them. If anything, the Republicans are more fractured and not just on the abortion issue, but about the general direction of the party. It's a divide that has been on full display this weekend. But there's one issue where there is little divide these days, and it is on China with its rising national security threats. He always to be fair, he always reminds us of that. That he always says it like that. Something that both sides will always agree on, something that you get consensus on, is China. Everybody hates China. Everybody, Everybody hates, China, hates China, yeah. Now, I love the term national security threat because it's always said as if it's gospel, but no one ever really defines what it is. So right. what exactly is the national security threat that China poses to the U.S.? Is China threatening to invade the U.S., to occupy the U.S., to steal the U.S.'s resources, as the U.S. is, say, doing to Syria right now? What is the actual national security threat? Uh, it's just Balloons. said as if it's Balloons. true and it's not defined. Right. Well, Aaron, honestly, the fact that you could even ask, I can't even, it doesn't, the fact that you would ask is, is means that it doesn't deserve a response. You know when people do that in real life? When it's like, if you have to ask when they don't really have an answer. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> If you have to ask, that just shows that you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm not going to dignify that with the response. Also, the great name of a uh, Red Hot Chili Pepper song, if you have to ask. Oh, really? Did not yeah. know that. Yeah. Up Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Great, great album. Secretary of State Antony Blinken issued yet another direct warning to China about sending lethal aid to Russia for the war in Ukraine. Again, we're only we're allowed to send lethal aid to Ukraine. Okay, right, That's our lane. Yeah, that's our lane. You can't send it to the other guys. Only no. we get to send them to lethal aid. And of course, I've still seen no evidence that um, uh, China's planning to send uh, weapons to Russia. Uh, China did put out a peace plan, which right. the Biden administration called a distraction, right. in which I don't think we're going to see Chuck covered today. But he is covering this claim. That from the U.S. that China is considering sending weapons to Russia. And, you know, by the way, Caitlin Johnstone putting this out on Twitter that the U.S. has already admitted that they've put out propaganda claims in the Ukraine war. And one of them was initially they initially claimed in the first weeks of the war that China, a similar thing, that China was considering arming Russia. And Caitlin Johnstone pointed out that U.S. officials later admitted that, oh, yeah, we didn't have any evidence for that. But we were just trying this out as part of our new information warfare campaign. So 
this very well could be the exact same thing coinciding with China putting out what actually threatens the U.S., which is a peace plan. Well, they're just trying it on. They're just practicing their PR machine without actual information. I can't. Okay, sure. Mm -mm. Wow. China can't have it both ways. It can't be putting itself out as a force for peace in public while it one way or another continues to fuel the flames of this fire that uh, Vladimir Putin started. Oh, yes. It's China fueling the flames. Uh, right. Not the U.S., right. which has blocked every single peace initiative that's come up so far, as we know about from so many different sources, sources close to Zelensky, uh, the former Israeli prime minister, the NATO foreign minister, uh, Fiona Hill uh, in foreign affairs, and, uh, and while pouring in tens of yeah, billions of dollars Bennett. worth of weapons. Yeah. But it's China, it's China now right, that right. is fueling the flames. Yeah, and as you pointed out, when this story first surfaced, you were like, you know why they're doing this? Because China has a peace plan. And yeah. here you have it. They very openly are saying we're going to use the fact that they're allegedly going to send weapons in to undermine their peace plan. Yeah. 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 And listen, on that front, I have to say, as much as I love Marianne Williamson as a person, I really admire her. Yeah. On foreign policy, I, I just can't get down with her. I can't. She's... um. She supports the proxy war and uh, her views on Palestine. I, I just really reject. Um, I, I'm happy she's in the race because it's good to yeah. have anybody challenging Biden. I really like her and I admire her, but I just can't get down with her yeah. policy views, unfortunately. I think that she is much better than Biden on domestic issues. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Uh, and I think that she I disagree with her on Ukraine. Um, I disagree with, with her on Israel, but I think she's better on Israel than Biden is. Well, that's a low bar, but um, yeah. yeah, no, sure. Listen, I, and I'm happy she's in the race. It's, it's good to have yeah. a challenge to, to Biden. And right. um, I, I, like whenever anything she says domestically, I agree with um, yeah. in my experience, right. but it's just a different story when we go. No, I agree. Yeah. 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 Which is sadly what it is with a lot of politicians. Absolutely. And Democrats, that there's like very little daylight between them on foreign policy. Uh, the entire Democratic Party just voted to, uh, you know, endorse U.S.-led sanctions on Syria after the earthquake. There, there was just a measure passed in the House, like 412 to 2, affirming support for U.S. sanctions on Syria that prevents it from rebuilding. The only people to vote against it were Thomas Massey and Marjorie Taylor Greene. And uh, Matt Gates right now, another Republican, he has a bill to withdraw U.S. forces from Syria. And there's going to be a vote on that soon. And I'll be very curious to see if any Demo if, if any Democrats support right. it. And if anyone's like, it's not good because look, Matt Gates is doing it. That's bullshit because, uh, you know, it was Mike Lee, who I do not like, who's a Republican, but he worked with Bernie on Yemen stuff. That's right. That yeah. is right. Yeah. 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 That's right. So, so it's always lazy when people try to taint the content of something because of its supporters, per se. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, he's not anti-war. They're not anti-war. We're not make this is not a referendum on individual Republicans. No one here thinks that they're peaceniks or internationalists. No. And they may be opposing things for the wrong reasons. That doesn't matter. We want the actual legislation to move forward. Yeah. Anyway. No one's right. saying no one's saying that Gates is based. Not, yeah. Gates ain't based. Gates ain't based. But you, know. you just gave him a campaign slogan though. Gates is based. Yeah. <laughs> you know he's gonna take it. Yeah. That's fine. You know, yeah. I I give these away for free, you know, yeah. I, I'm, and I'm, I'm bipartisan too. So for the supporters of Pete Buttigieg, I came up with don't judge the booty. Don't judge you know? booty. And that's been making the rounds. You've oh, heard yeah, all of his oh, defenders sure. use yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> he should make a video where he looks straight into the camera and goes, don't judge the don't booty. Judge That's right. Yeah. That's right. All righty. Uh, let's move on to Republican Senator Dan Sullivan. Um, and he's not happy with the Biden administration Mm-mm. because they're not sending enough weapons to Ukraine. To they're city. sending tens of billions of dollars worth of weapons. They're blocking peace talks. But Dan Sullivan, who's a Republican, he's from Alaska, right? He, he's not happy. He wants more weapons now. Situation in Ukraine right now. You've been pretty vocal saying you believe that you, we should be sending F-16s. Yes. Ukraine, President Biden says it's not necessary. Yeah. His administration is saying it's going to take too long yeah. for them to get there. What's your response to that? Well, look, this is part of an unfortunate pattern by this administration with regard to weapon systems for Ukraine. If you look at it, every time there is a new weapon system that's been proposed, they oppose it. Think about it. High Mars, Stingers, tanks, Patriots, Congress in a bipartisan yeah, they have way. Sent those, though. Well, they've sent them only after being pressured by Congress. Took Patriots nine months. You know, on the F-16s, I hosted uh, several Ukrainian pilots last summer uh, in Washington, D.C. We were pressing for F-16s. I sent a letter to the Secretary of Defense, to General Milley, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. It looked like it was moving forward well uh, within the bureaucracy of the Pentagon. The President gets off a helicopter a couple months ago, says no. And then last week, uh, the National Security Advisor says, well, we're not going to do F-16s for now. Well, that's exactly the wrong approach, George, for now. They need these weapon systems now. And this has been a pattern, an unfortunate pattern by this administration, yeah. delaying critical weapon systems until we pressure them. They finally get them there, but it oftentimes takes way too late. Takes way too late, Aaron. <laughs> takes way too late. Isn't it great that like a senator from Alaska is trying to weigh in and influence decisions on a battlefield thousands of miles away? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure his military experience. I don't think he was a high-ranking uh, military officer if he's ever served at all. So, like, what, like, how does he know what is needed on the battlefield, and, and what gives him the right to even to weigh in? And uh, but of course, this is the spectrum of debate we're allowed to have in the U.S. Like, not whether or not we should be sending the weapons, and whether or not we should be supporting diplomacy. It's are we sending the weapons fast enough? That's right. the question that you're allowed to criticize the Biden administration on. Yeah, well, you know, Aaron, remember, we do have a precedent of very good Alaskans with their uh, finger on the pulse of uh, international politics. And that goes back to Sarah Palin. Yeah, but also, you know, who could see Russia from her window. But unironically, unironically, we used to have a senator named Mike Gravel. Yes, of course. Yeah, the great Mike Gravel. Yeah. R.I.P. And, uh, you know, what happened to that tradition, Alaska? You know, right. uh, Let's bring. Let's get a new group. I mean, honestly, <laughs> to be honest with you, I think Sarah Palin would have a better take on Alaska than this guy. Sarah Palin uh, supports the freedom of Julian Assange for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah, it's so, very weird. You know. Yeah, it's good. But anyway, but, yeah. Um, and she anyway, also th- was great on um, The Masked Singer, where she danced to uh, Baby Got Back. Oh, I missed that. Oh, oh yeah, it was a great shame. moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a shame. Um, yeah. And then Ted Stevens, another great Alaskan who. Uh, He's the one who talked about the, the internet being a series of tubes. Uh, and he used to wear a, he was a Republican and he used to wear an incredible Hulk tie every day that he was going to have a serious vote. Wow. Uh, and he was devastated after his um, bill that would have opened up uh, certain Alaskan reserves to drilling mm. was voted against. He said it was the worst day of his life and that he was unfortunately clinically depressed because of it. And this is someone whose wife had died in a plane crash. 
So, but the worst day for him was when he couldn't kill little polar bears and seals. Well, it sounds like he puts the baby in drill, baby, drill. Yeah. If he was being a baby when he couldn't drill. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's good. I like it. Yeah. Wow. We're on fire today. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of on fire, Senator Mark Warner is uh, the top Democrat on the Senate Intelligence Committee. Total war hawk, total neocon. Uh, he wants more weapons to Ukraine, and he is going to explain very clearly what the goal of the Ukraine proxy war is. Allocated $113 billion to Ukraine. We've actually only given them actually less than half of that. And on the military side, about 30 billion of roughly 60 billion. We've still got some runway to go there. Um, but I think we need to keep that commitment. And the truth is, the Russian army is being chewed up by the Ukrainians. We had a, uh, we spent $800 billion a year on defense in most of my lifetime to prevent Russia from uh, exploiting that. We're having the Ukrainians do that right now, in a sense, in, for us. I think we need you hear that? Yeah. We're having the Ukrainians do that for us. And what right. are you talking about? The Ukrainians are chewing up the Russian army. It sounds like we're using Ukraine as a proxy, proxy. to weaken yeah. Russia. Let's just hear that one more time. Dollars here on defense, most of my lifetime, to prevent Russia from uh, exploiting that. We're having the Ukrainians do that right now, in a sense, in, for us. Yes, we're having Ukrainians sacrifice their lives for us. Right. Because we're using them as cannon fodder in a proxy war. And I love right. it when these guys admit that. Say it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying that most of my life, he's basically saying most of my life, we put in a lot of money to mm -hmm. be fighting against Russia. Yeah. The Cold War. Right. Yeah. And now we are trying to fight this Cold War through Ukrainians. Yes. And it's a great investment because he points out that we won't we, like we've allocated something like $113 billion, which we haven't right. even spent all of it. Well, meanwhile, Usually we spend $800 billion a year just on the Pentagon, but now the Ukrainians are doing it on the cheap for us. Yeah. I mean, this is a great yeah. deal, yeah. which makes what he's about to say very ironic because he's about to talk about the people who don't necessarily agree with his agenda. Right. Yeah. I think we need to continue that. I think you will see um, the vast majority of members of Congress in both parties. There's some loud mouths on both sides that are pulling back. Um, but if we're going to keep in this competition against Russia and China, Putin cannot be successful. So you hear that? There's some loud mouths, loud mouths yeah. who aren't happy about spending all this money on a proxy war. And that comes right after he's admitted that we're arming Ukraine for a proxy war. Right. But he's being the loud mouth here. Right. He just admitted that this isn't yeah. about defending democracy or about defending Ukraine sovereignty. This is about using Ukraine to bleed Russia. Yeah. We got so more, thank right? you, loud mouth yeah. Senator Warner, for admitting the real aim of this proxy war. Well, uh, and what I like, again, what he's doing, because he's saying, speaking of loudmouth, right, like you're saying, he's being a blabbermouth. He's saying all the quiet parts out loud, which is that this is a proxy war, and also the critics of the proxy war, being the loudmouths that they are, apparently, need to shut up. That's what loudmouths have to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we thank you, Senator Warner. Clip, right? We do have one more clip for Senator Warner. So okay. uh, last have, week... Is that clip, though, longer, or did we play the whole thing? Uh, that's it of that okay. one. Okay. Okay. That's it of that loud mouth and that clip. But we have more from yeah. Senator Warner because um, he's such a loud mouth. He's such a loud mouth. Uh, in the last week, uh, we've had some big developments in the mystery surrounding Havana syndrome. For everyone uh, who might not remember, this was this claim originating a few years ago that in Cuba, China, and Russia, U.S. diplomats and intelligence officials 
were being wounded with microwave weapons. And Congress passed a bill to treat the victims of Havana syndrome. But the problem is there was never any evidence of any microwave weapons at all. Uh, that This claim is being made and many media outlets parroted it, but there's never any evidence for it. And finally, the U.S. intelligence community just completed a review involving five different agencies, and they all concluded they have no evidence at all of any kind of microwave weapon. So they have no idea what the supposed Havana syndrome is. And Mark Warner is vowing to stay the course. This week, uh, an assessment from several intelligence agencies that they don't think that this was, or it's unlikely, there was a foreign adversary that was carrying out these attacks, whatever they were, where people, our diplomats, our intel officers around the world at U.S. missions have suffered really debilitating symptoms from this. Um, Senator Rubio, your colleague, tweeted this. The CIA took the investigation of Havana syndrome seriously, but when you read about the devastating injuries, it's hard to accept it was caused by AC units and loud cicadas. Something happened here, and just because we don't have all the answers doesn't mean it didn't happen. Will you continue to try to pursue answers? Absolutely. First of all, the most important thing is anyone who got sick, whatever the source was, whether they are CIA, whether DOD, State Department officials, we owe them the world's best health care. And I think. So we owe intelligence officials and Pentagon officials the world's best healthcare for right. a fake syndrome. Yeah. But not our own people, the world's best healthcare. Right. No, for yeah. Real issues. Real symptoms. Yeah. It's called Medicare for uh, the intelligence community. Medicare it's called Medicare groups. for all intelligence community. Yeah. 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 Right, let's hear what else he has to say. We are providing that now. Initially, frankly, under the last administration, this whole issue was an attempt to be swept under the rug. We are now making sure that health care is provided. And I know how, particularly the CIA, how extensive their investigation has been. And I've made very clear to them if there are, they need to continue that investigation. If new facts come to light, um, they ought to pursue that. But at this moment in time, I know how thorough they've been. And uh, they have not found the evidence that I think perhaps they thought they would have found. We got to follow the facts. At the end of the day, that's what we owe these members of the intel community who protect our nation. And that means giving them the health care. And if it ends up. Imagine if you're in East uh, Palestine right now or Flint, right, where you've had these toxic disasters in Flint. The government response was just pure neglect. Uh, no, Aaron, Obama did come down. Talk about how he probably was exposed to lead chips and was fine and mm. did pretend to drink some of the water. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So people are denied the basic care they need there. But here for a fake syndrome, senators like Warner are falling over themselves to promise treatment. It's just uh, right. it, the timing as East Palestine is dealing with this now is, uh, is right. very uh, striking. And Biden still hasn't gone there, but he did go to Ukraine. He did go to Ukraine. Yeah. And also, this is so funny because he clearly it's like he's trying to just play the national security card. Like he's mm -hmm. just playing the I respect these people so much and I care about them so much as he's saying that they're very thorough and did such a thorough investigation and didn't find anything there. But he can't yeah. just admit that. So he's just leaning into how much it's like it's like support the troops or hard on crime. Yeah. You know, it's just like a buzzword. And uh, as he is admitting that there is no Havana syndrome without actually or there's there's no cause of Havana syndrome he hasn't admitted that there's no Havana syndrome yet but that the cause of it is not what was was initially alleged but there's no like reckoning with that yeah. with spouting this
And why is it called Havana syndrome? It's such a way to demonize Cuba. Yeah. Uh, it should be called Langley syndrome. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, because uh, this was <laughs> concocted in Langley. Yeah. Um, and of course, parroted by U.S. media outlets nonstop. Right. Uh, with, but this is what happens every single time. Uh, after, like, you can't keep a scam going like this forever. So eventually, like, you have to admit there's right. there's nothing there. But still, of course, they do it in the most mealy mouth way, and they're still pretending right. as if there's some mystery here. Yeah, and they just pivot to how much the how important the CIA is. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, thank you to loudmouth Senator Mark Warner. Yeah. That was really you, yeah. enlightening as always. Um, remember when uh, the rage for a couple of months was documents, classified documents. Oh yeah. But then it all kind of died down uh, when Biden was found to have uh, yeah. classified documents too. Because before that, it was just about Trump taking right. classified documents. Well, well, then Republicans started taking up the documents cause. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think everyone just got bored of it and moved on. Well, yeah. just as a reminder how boring this issue was, uh, we got a question about it this week on, on Meet the Press. Congressman Turner, we, we, do you we, know we, what the Biden docs are and do you know what they what the Pence docs are? No, but we there are some things that we do know. And, and first of all, I want to stop there. No, they didn't share with you those things in a classified setting. Right. Why? But, well, first off, we if the, in the things that we do. Chuck is getting excited. There. You know, yeah, it's really interesting. His choices for what he gets indignant about. Right. Um, what? You didn't get access to the documents. You didn't. Oh, my God. Well, he was um, really excited to be covering them. Yeah. And yeah. now and now he can't. Yeah. Do know one of the things we know is that the FBI is not being forthcoming. Uh, they're they're not giving us the information. Um, they're claiming that it's going to affect the outcome of, of their investigation, which of course it can't because the people who are the targets of their investigation know what what are in those documents, right. and we have the clearance and the ability to to look at these documents. Um, we also know uh, from Avril Haines that she said that that she was not consulted prior to the raid on on Trump's Marlago home. Uh, that in fact there it was not a national security basis. Is there any topic in recent memory that's more boring than this one? Like, can anyone pay attention to it? I've already, I've already, I've already like, my mind's already drifted away. Right. I know. In what are we talking about? Seconds. It's just yeah. so boring. Um, so as we go through this process, as they give us the category of the documents and their assessment as to who had access to them, who did not. Oh, the category of the documents. This is getting exciting now. Wow have access to them. We're beginning to build an understanding. But the, the thing that we know is that it's unbelievable that administration after administration is apparently yeah. uh, sloppy and messy in their use of classified documents. And that's one thing on a bipartisan basis we have to address well beyond just this. This has to yeah. change where classified documents are under a certain amount of control. The, con uh, the control of sloppy handling of classified documents act. That's going to be yeah. an exciting bipartisan initiative that the country is going to unite behind because we want to stop the sloppiness stop, stop the slop stop the slop exactly yeah. yeah um at least russia gate was like you know interesting because the president was being accused of treason i mean that's kind of i mean even though that was a scam it was still kind of exciting right yeah you know? this one we don't have any drama yeah this is There's just nothing to talk. sink your teeth into yeah. yeah this is like just like you're this reminds this is, this is like being in kinko's making copies of something you know right this is just that boring it's a snooze fest. Yeah. Sometimes you do you know, do you at least know the classification levels of these docs? Do you know is there a dis, is there a distinction between the Trump docs, the Biden docs, and the Pence docs, or not? So.
Can you tell me anything to make this yeah. story interesting? Is there something give you can give something. me? Please. Can you justify this segment? Yeah, can you please justify this segment? Congress member, I implore you. We have not been shown anything that would allow us to draw that conclusion, and we got to be a little careful here because what we were shown. So you we were weren't briefed much. Uh, well, we were we were brief, but I but 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 let's just say that neither one of us are satisfied that we got enough information to execute our primary responsibility of making right. sure that sources and methods have been protected. We've got more to learn before we can be satisfied on that. So right now, you have no idea whether these were. The highest level well, we didn't say or no, the mid-level? We didn't say no idea. Okay. Uh, again, we can't get too into the details. We got a flavor for what uh, was there. Mm-hmm. Ooh, a flavor. A flavor, Ooh, a flavor. yeah. Spicy. Yeah. What flavor do you think it was? Rocky yeah. Road? <laughs> so it's going to be a rocky road for them to get to the bottom of this one. Yeah. I think it, t- I think it tasted like glue. I think that was the flavor. Glue, yeah. A piece of glue. Uh, and I won't speak for Mike, but I will tell you, having been given a flavor, this is a very serious issue. This wasn't stuff that we can say clearly does not matter. It matters. In all three cases? Well, uh, again, we can't say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We can't okay. say that. We cannot rule out that it yeah. could potentially matter. Yeah. yeah. Or we don't know. We don't know yet. <laughs> look at Mike. Look at Mike Turner. He's like trying to to not get totally. He, he looks a little embarrassed by what uh, Heimer is saying. He's like, really? You're getting excited about this flavor thing? <laughs> yeah. He's fidgeting with his hands. You see his talking points down there? Oh, Under yeah. Under his hands? Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, that was exciting. Uh, great to revisit Doc Talk. I can't wait for the next episode. Doc Talk, yeah. That's been yeah. your your segment of Doc Talk, yeah. All, All right. right. Now, now we have a big friend in the show, wonderful uh, poet who can, uh, you know, drop Gems from A to Z, Hakeem Jeffries on State of the uh, Union. Ask you about something that happened this past week. Showed some pretty stark divisions in your Democratic Party because President Biden unexpectedly, uh, unexpectedly rather, announced that he's going to sign a Republican effort to override a new crime reform bill in Washington, D.C. 173 House Democrats, including yourself, voted against that GOP bill. And in large part, that was because you believed that the White House signaled that the president would oppose it. So did President Biden pull the rug out from under you and your fellow House Democrats? Uh, Not at all. We have a House, we have a Senate, uh, and then we have the White House. In terms of my particular... By the way... I want to thank Hakeem Jeffries because he's offering a kind of John Carl level um, history of uh, the United States and how the government works. There's Congress, there's Senate, and there's presidency. Dana Bash may not have known that. And certainly some viewers here may not have known that. So thank you for your service, Hakeem. There reasons for voting the way that I did. One, I believe that local government should have control over local matters. Uh, and that's a principle that I've supported from the moment that I arrived in Washington, D.C. It's one of the reasons why I believe in D.C. statehood. Uh, and in this particular case, I voted to affirm local rule. Right. But the Democratic president is signaled that he doesn't agree with that. And he's going to sign a Republican bill to override what you just described. Are you OK with that? Well, let's take it one step at a time. We have to see what happens uh, in the United States Senate next week. Uh, depending on what the Senate does, the president will have to respond one way or the other. I haven't had an opportunity to talk to the White House yet about the president's views, so I'm not going to characterize uh, his position one way or the other until we've but, had a chance to talk well, he said it. about that issue. I mean, he's made it clear. It's not 
at, unless he changes his tune again. Well, there are public conversations and there are private conversations. So you think you're going to be able to have a private conversation? What I do know is that Delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton has said she looks forward to talking to President Biden about his position. They may agree to disagree. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's fine. Uh, because on the big picture issues and fighting to build an economy that really does work for everyday Americans, we will remain unified, particularly as compared to the extremism that we're seeing on the other side of the aisle. Okay, you're the Democratic leader. I obviously am not. If I'm hearing from frustrated House Democrats, I can't imagine what you're hearing. They feel like the White House, again, pulled the rug out from under them. You have to be hearing that. Well, that actually has not been the sense that I've gotten. I think coming out of <laughs> uh, the issues conference, we are. That's because when someone calls him who he knows will be complaining about Biden's decision here, he'll, he'll just not call them back. Yeah, right. Or he just yeah. probably mutes. He probably just uh, put, yeah. mutes him. Yeah. yeah. And he practices his A to Z. His, yeah, exactly. He's like, yeah. he, I don't have time for this. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a poet. <laughs> I got to get back to that. Yeah. It's just so funny because he's basically saying, like, I voted the way I did because I don't want, you know, because I respect the right of local government. And he makes it this like bedrock principle. And she's like, OK, well, he doesn't. What do you think of that? And he's like, well, um, we're going to have to see what happens. Like, OK, well, uh, what else can you say to defend this? Uh, they're public and private, public and private conversations. Nice throwback to Hillary Clinton's uh, mm -hmm. Goldman Sachs speech. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just pathetic. And uh, this is and of course, though, it, it fits because Muriel Bowser, the um, the mayor of D.C., also voted against this crime reform bill because, as as we know, Democrats are very uncomfortable with seeming at all uh, soft on crime, even though these reform bills, these reforms actually help lower crime. But Democrats are so afraid of their own shadows on this that they don't ever do the work of explaining that and how yeah. incarceration actually harms communities and leads to recidivism and, you know, t removes people from the workforce and leaves families without breadwinners. Uh, and how nonviolent offenders are locked up and how that doesn't help uh, lower crime. But again, they can't actually engage on this. And they, you know, if, you, if they actually cited statistics, they could be winning on this front. But of course, George, uh, Joe Biden himself is a big fan of the crime bill. He bragged about his crime bill, making it illegal to jaywalk. Yeah. 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 Well, a Democrat who is not afraid to criticize Biden for his move on the crime bill is Donna Brazil, the former chair yeah. of the DNC. Good morning. Ohio is dealing with another uh, no, train it's, derailment. It's sorry. This is the, uh, we missed a clip. Yeah. It's a clip before yeah. this. It's the, uh, it is, um, clip eight. Yeah. But I appreciate, uh, Wilson isn't here this week. So we got Tyler from the Katie helper show on deck and i appreciate tyler trying to say what's more important than this stuff is east palestine <laughs> so Fair i enough. appreciate the symbolism of that and some people are complaining they're like we should be talking about the strike this isn't news again this show is about the media the mainstream media's coverage and we explore that and we expose them for not having the right priorities and then on useful idiots through our guests and through our segments that's when we focus on the important news that's right. So do we have the Donna Brazil clip or should we just uh, go on to East Palestine? We, yeah, we could go on to East Palestine. We can always go back to Donna Brazil. Let's okay. do that. 
Let's go to Palestine. East 20 Palestine. cars of a Norfolk Southern train derailed late yesterday afternoon in Springfield. President Biden and Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg have been in touch with Ohio's governor. A shelter-in-place order has now been... Guys, this is breaking news. So there's been another derailment. But guys, hope is on the way. Because Biden and Buttigieg have both... It's not that they've gone there. Since well, Pete this. did. Well, yeah, not since this, though. Oh, right, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But they're in touch with the governor of Ohio. That's huge. Takes a lot to make a phone call. Mm-hmm. So I really want to commend them for that. Lifted, and officials say no hazardous spillage occurred. But it comes amid a flurry of recent transit scares, growing anger in East Palestine about the handling of last month's toxic derailment, and multiple serious close calls that have raised questions about aviation safety. Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown is standing by. There he is right there. But transportation correspondent Gio Benitez starts us off. Good morning, Gio. George, the second derailment only adds to the growing problems facing Norfolk Southern, whose CEO is set to testify later this week. He's going to face Congress one month after the disaster in East Palestine, which still has many residents calling for answers and demanding to be evacuated. More than a month after that train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, residents still infuriated with the response. Do I have to wait until I have cancer or my kids are sick or my grandkids are sick before you guys are going to do anything? And the incident still sending shockwaves through national politics. Just this week, Ohio Governor Republican Mike DeWine calling on President Biden to visit. Look, he should come. There's no doubt about it. The president needs to come. Biden responding. I will be This comes after furious Republican criticism of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg for not visiting soon enough. Florida Senator Marco Rubio tweeting, Buttigieg needs to be fired. What I tried to do was balance two things. My desire to be involved and engaged, allowing NTSB to really uh, lead I'll do some thinking about uh, whether I got that balance right. That's so great, guys. He's going to reflect on this. (laughs) He's going to reflect on this. I mean, when Mayor Pete signed up for this job, I don't think he was factored in the fact that our infrastructure is in such a poor state. So he'd have to be dealing with actual disasters like this. I think he was expecting to go to like ribbon ribbon cutting ceremonies and opening up amusement parks and airport wings. I don't think he really factored in that he. Oh, he's like, oh, I gotta go. I gotta go to like, you know, the Rust Belt, right? Flyover country, and actually yeah. deal with serious problems. This sucks. Yeah, um, he was built. He was. He had a lot of balancing to do, Aaron. Yes, he was balancing between uh, acting, doing stuff, and not doing stuff. Yeah, and we're gonna skip the Donna Brazil clip. So let's yeah. go to. Or do you want to do it? No, forget it. It's fine. We, you know. I mean, we can always go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. Okay. So the next clip we'll get ready. We are going to go to the same. Oh, and by the way, just really quickly, yeah. I want to say that clip is one of the rare examples where you see the media covering something important. So shout out to this week with George Stephanopoulos because they covered that. Um, they are among the like only shows to cover that. And they also covered the Marianne thing. And I see a lot of people in the comments critical of Marianne. You don't have to support Marianne Williamson. But it's newsworthy. That's undeniable. Someone has entered the race. That should be newsworthy. Especially when we we're, we may not have time to, to show this clip, but breaking news, uh, Larry Hogan dropped out. And Larry Hogan, of course, has been praised as a moderate Republican, and he hates Trump. 
<laughs> and this moderate Republican has said that he wouldn't vote for Trump or Biden, but he would certainly support Mike Pence because Mike Pence is so moderate. <laughs> Mike Pence, who calls his wife mother, is so moderate. All right. Well, so I, someone who is going to be in the presidential race, even though he hasn't confirmed it yet, but it's so obvious, yeah. is none other than Mike Pompeo, um, Trump's CIA director turned secretary of state, unhinged neocon. And liar, stealer, liar, thief, and, and uh, cheat, according Admitted to his liar, own admission. Thief and cheat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, here he is on uh, Fox News. To elect serious leaders who are thoughtful, who speak about America as the most exceptional nation in the history of civilization. They're not denigrating it. They're not, they're not throwing out whoppers. They're not spending all their time thinking about Twitter. That's what I was speaking to. It's the moment for celebrity. The moment for stars is not with us. It's the moment for America to go back to its conservative founding, its conservative ideas. And I am very confident that room, that room cheered that idea. And I'm very confident that we're heading back that direction. Okay, celebrity leaders with fragile egos, big voices, people obsessed with Twitter. You leave us with no other assumption in that you are talking about your former boss and that you may be considering a serious run yourself. I mean, who else are you talking about? Oh, Shannon, I, again, I, I'm not talking about any. I'm talking about what's happening in states and counties, school boards all across America. It is. You coward. He was definitely talking of about course. Trump. Obviously, the obsession with Twitter, the ego. Just own yeah. it. What a coward. Yeah. Like who, who, who's he talking about in states and counties who's thinking about Twitter? Yeah. Like, he doesn't even yeah, know right. anybody probably on, on a local level. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. But but again, as Katie, as you said, he's admitted to lying and cheating and stealing when he was head, right. of, head of the CIA. So, you know, yeah. he's just continuing that. Right. He's just showing instead of telling what a <laughs> lying cheat he is. Yeah. It's time for a thoughtfulness and a weightiness and a seriousness that I Ooh. think we've kind of moved away from. And we got to get back there. It's not about President Trump or former President Trump. It's not about President Biden. It's about, it's about the American people and getting this right. And, you know, I'm not dodging your question either. We are working our way through. Susan, my wife, Susan, and I are working our way through trying to figure out what's next for us. And in very short order, we'll have figured that out. And we'll we'll let everyone know, Shannon. What a Translation, I'm talking about President Trump. And I'm also definitely running. Right. Uh, I probably haven't even talked to my wife about it. I'm just doing right. it. Right. Uh, yeah. Because I don't I'm actually a... talk to Susan anymore. <laughs> yeah. She's annoying. Yeah. No, I, I was talking about the time to elect serious leaders okay, who are thoughtful, it, yeah. who okay. speak about America as well. Mike Pompeo, so thoughtful. So thoughtful. So thoughtful. Yes. Um, what a carrot. He can't even admit he was going after. He's the guy who so like pathetic. he gets like he gets like uh aroused when he's talking about sanctioning oh, yeah. global does, south yeah. countries like when he's talking about like the coup in venezuela he yeah, gets, he's like, a sanctions fetish yeah he, he's got some weird fetish about like depriving yeah. children in countries whose governments he doesn't like uh, yeah. of food and medicine um that's how thoughtful mike pompeo is right um and by the way in his new book there's a line where he says uh, he was talking about the reason why the trump administration decided to launch a coup in venezuela and he's he's he cites the monroe doctrine where Latin so America is our backyard. And he says, so we couldn't tolerate, I'm paraphrasing, but this is what he says, we couldn't tolerate a challenge to the Monroe Doctrine from Venezuela. Yeah. So he openly admits it. Right, again, saying the quiet part out loud. Very thoughtful, very yeah, thoughtful. Very thoughtful. Student okay. of American history. Yeah. Well, here's uh, an odd comment. This is uh, Congress member Ronnie Jackson. He's a former White House physician. He was the physician to uh, Obama and Trump. And he's turned into a very uh, cartoonish, colorful Republican member of Congress. And now he's got a diagnosis to make about President Biden. 
And remember, he is a doctor. Uh, had yeah. a cancerous lesion removed from the president's chest last month. Uh, <laughs> the doctor said that this is a common form. The lesion tested positive uh, for carcinoma, uh, but he's okay. Uh, but I wonder about the uh, conversation about his capacity. You have been talking about the president's cognitive abilities being a uh, national security risk. Tell us more. Well, look, Maria, I'll start by saying that Biden is the cancer. You know, he's what needs to be renew removed, not the uh, not the lesion they found. But this is all right. You just had a Freudian slip where you endorsed the president. You said it needs to be renewed. Yeah, but not um, removed after uh, calling him a cancer, which is yeah, we all know what he meant. Yeah, very tough language. I mean, this is a doctor too. I mean, you know, I don't know, just especially after he has a cancerous legion removed. I mean, that's right, very <laughs> a little insensitive. That's so harsh. I appreciate um, the directness, though. Unlike yeah. Pompeo, see, this guy has the balls to, to. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, imagine if he was your doctor and he was treating you for a cancerous legion, and after he removed, it, he said. By the way, you're the cancer, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, By the way, um, another diagnosis I, I can't help but share. You are the thing I just removed. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Man, that's harsh. Another uh, effort from his physician. I'm thankful he's not my doctor. I'll say that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Well, that was that. Um, what is the last thing? medical team to distract. They're going to talk. Yeah, he's just yeah. saying that they're distract. Yeah. Yeah. He's just saying that Biden's a cancer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so no, well, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, over the weekend, uh, there was CPAC, uh, yeah. this big conservative gathering. And among the people to speak there was Donald Trump, who apparently of spoke course. for like two, two hours. He went on a long rant. There's a lot of truth for him to drop. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Although again, he did talk. I mean, in he did talk about how he would end the Ukraine war, right? Which nobody else is saying. Which again, it speaks to how dysfunctional our political system is. That the only person talking sense on the world's most dangerous issue, in the, you know, among high level candidates, is Donald right. Trump right now. Um, but that's unfortunately just how He's it another is. Another loudmouth. Yeah. Uh, so, but here's Governor. Uh, here's former New Jersey Governor Christie, Chris Christie talking about Trump's candidacy. He says, and his people say, that he'll be able to use an indictment as a sign that he's being persecuted. Is that realistic? What the hell else is he going to say? <laughs> I mean, you know, George, like, you get indicted. You know, you got you to gotta say that, or else it's a death knell, right? So that's what he's going to say. But look, you saw the scenes at CPAC. That room was half full. Yeah. Okay? Let's not pretend that CPAC is CPAC anymore. It's TPAC. Okay, it's Trump pack. It's not CPAC any longer. And only the most desperate people showed up at CPAC to even speak other than Trump um, or people within Trump's orbit. Um, the, the fact of what's going on here is the reason I think the rallies are not going on, Maggie, is not just because of the money, although I think that's a factor. I don't think the rallies would be nearly as big as they mm, were. I, that, I, that is absolutely true. And it was you true last know, year. That's true. What got him upset on January 6th? The crowd size. The crowd size. <laughs> what got him upset on January 20th? 2017, the crowd size. He measures that as an example of his own power and his own authority, and I don't think he has it anymore. Look, he is the front runner. There's no doubt. He's an essentially an incumbent president running for renomination, not re-election, but renomination. And so, of course, he's the front runner right now and ahead in the polls. 
But there are lots of indicators here that he's not what he used to be in most respects you're talking about. And so we're going to see how that plays out. Chris Christie, of course, nominated Trump in 2016 and tried to be part of his cabinet. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just uh, he sounds like a bitter, uh, a bitter guy who's mad, yeah. who's mad at his old friend. But no, right. I mean, um, it would be really funny if uh, just like in 2016, when the same pundits were saying that Trump, like, we're laughing at the idea of Trump being president. If yeah. like, this turns out to be right. another, another moment like that. But but I do think he's right. I don't think Trump has the momentum yeah. he did in 2016 because but people. It's funny him. you say that because that was literally the pairing. It was Maggie Haberman. And George Stephanopoulos, who said to Keith Ellison, mm. like laughed in his face and said, I'm yeah. sorry when he said that Trump was going to win the primary. So, That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, Chris Christie might have just given Trump that moment for 2024. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, should we wrap it up there? Are there any more clips we want to do? Uh, we could show. I, I Let's just show one more clip because I think it's I, I, I like this guy's body movement. And this guy is Chris Sununu, who is probably going to be running. As of now, we think he's running. So let's just let's just watch his moves. ...have a habit of actually always take going for the outsider, whatever that moment is, in that moment, who the outsider candidate is. And it's been remarkable to me that Donald Trump looks like he's trying to be the outsider. He, was, he ran the party. He was the institutional head of the party. He's running as an outsider. I... And, and I know stay, you want to be the outsider, but in many ways, he's, he's already lumped everybody against him. Do you think he's effectively carving out an outsider lane for himself? I think the former president has his own lane. He doesn't need to carve anything. He's an absolute known commodity uh, to every American in this country. Right. There's very few people that are on the fence, whether they're with him or not with him or whatever it might be. So uh, I, I'm not I don't I think he just has his lane. And then there's everyone else, which is a, a vast majority of the party that's looking for an alternative. Right now, if the election were today, Ron DeSantis would win in New Hampshire. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis would right. win in Florida. So um, he's I think the former president is trying to find a path to be back that that leading voice of the party. I think a lot of us are, uh, you know, that, that potentially may get in the race, want to have something to say about the direction of that conversation. But yeah. um, look, I, again, Thank you for your service. We're moving on. Uh, I just don't believe the Republican Party is going to say that the best leadership for America tomorrow is yesterday's leadership. That doesn't make any sense. That is not in our DNA as Americans. It's kind of the antithesis of the American spirit to settle for yesterday's news. We want the next generation, the next big idea. And that's what we're going to deliver. So keep your eye on on Chris Sununu, son of John Sununu. Uh, And of course, um, oops, uh, the the news this week for the uh, 2024 is Marion Williamson joins the race. Though you wouldn't know that from most of the shows, which I still can't get over. Uh, Larry Hogan has dropped out of the race. And uh, Sununu is uh, probably going to be in and Pompeo is probably going to be in. Because we keep our finger on the pulse. This sounds like the worst primary ever. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not excited. For it. I'm not excited for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, oh, and Nikki Haley, of course. Yeah, Nikki Haley. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you know, I shouldn't say it's the worst primary ever. If Trump is involved, it will be entertaining. It will be funny. Yeah. The, yeah, fun. the, yeah. the debates are funny. They just are. Yeah. And uh, I can't deny that. Yeah. 
All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. Oh, we're off this week. We're taking off this week. uh, So we're not doing an episode. But of course, we'll be back next week for uh, Monday morning. And then we'll be back next week for our, um, you know, interview and show. So this is all you get this week from Useful Idiots. So enjoy. I hope you enjoyed it. And go to usefulidiots.substack.com for more. And join us now, if you're around, on Colin. On Colin. Bye, everyone. Bye.